Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. In the Texas Panhandle, we've just exited a summer of too little rain and a lot of heat. Fall will be the time when ag producers truly learn how much of a hit they took from those brutal conditions. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story from Amarillo. The show goes on in Waco at the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo, even as the coronavirus pandemic continues. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. The Big Tex Livestock Auction brought in big bucks for Texas youth. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, let's kick it off with a look at news headlines. Could smoke from the California wildfires affect cotton production here in Texas? Well, it's a definite possibility. Our sunrises have been uh, pretty well orange dots and sunsets kind of the same for, for quite a while here. That's Wes Beal with Equity Exchange in Perryton. He says the reduced sunlight could have an effect on heat units with the crop here in its final stages of development. But the one thing that we don't really know is when we look at heat units... They're derived just by looking at the high and low temperature, and then there's a couple other factors to get into the calculation. Those are pretty well upon, you know, sunshiny blue sky days. When you put a 15 or 18 or 12 or whatever the percentage filter on the sun coming down, how does that affect it? And that's something that we're kind of learning as we're going here and hoping that we don't get bit. Smoke from California wildfires. Just one more thing that Texas farmers have to deal with here in 2020. Rainfall is another issue that Texas corn farmers have fought with this year. Pioneer field agronomist Adam Owens says the central Texas area he covers started out wet, causing planting delays. For the most part, a lot of guys got some seed in the ground, It was, but it was a wet early start to the season. And then, you know, we had later planting. Some guys planted all the way up until the insurance deadline there in mid-April. We still saw some really good yields, though, with that later planted crop. Owens says it's typical to hit a dry spell during the summer, and when that did happen, Pioneer's Aquamax corn hybrids proved their worth. So I'd say the Aquamax hybrids really did perform this year because we had a stretch there in late June, also in a little bit part of May too, where we had some stressful conditions. And what we saw was those hybrids that had those Aquamax tagline or hybrids with higher drought scores did perform for us. Pioneer agronomist Adam Owens. The Texas panhandle has endured a brutal summer, and cattlemen there are finding out now how much those hot, dry conditions have affected their herds. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. What a summer indeed. Insufficient rain, brutal hot spells, and even a blast of premature winter about three weeks ago. Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith tells me, at the moment, ranchers and their cattle seem to have come through it all fairly well. 
But the thing we need to keep in our mind moving forward would be that in a lot of situations, we may not see repercussions of some of those things until later on down the road. And so maybe with some of those excessive hot spells during the breeding season, that may mean more open cows or cows that didn't get pregnant until later into the breeding season. Of course, ranchers can't know for sure about those things until they have their cows checked after breeding season. Or if it's a rancher that may not be doing anything like that, then they may not realize some of those repercussions until that full gestation length down the road. And so if we figure the average gestation length is 283 days, it may be a considerable amount of time if somebody's not pregnancy checking to realize that maybe they didn't get as long as well as they had hoped to. So for the purpose of making timely and informed management decisions, Dr. Smith recommends doing those checks early. For a lot of our spring calving herds, now is probably going to be a decent time to either start pregnancy diagnosis or at least start thinking about planning it for the fall. But the sooner the better. And as we head toward winter with the forage supply challenged, Smith says ranchers need to keep input cost in line. That doesn't mean that we should avoid supplementation. I would argue the exact opposite, that if we need to be supplementing nutrients, then we absolutely do that, but we focus on value of those supplemental feedstuff options and use that information to make those decisions and hopefully we're able to cut some costs doing that. And as to decisions about their herds? Any animal that's not absolutely necessary for success of the operation, I think we should consider marketing them. Some tough calls to be made soon. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The show goes on in Waco at the heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo with a special collaboration with the State Fair of Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. As with many events this year, the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo is a modified version of what takes place uh, in Central Texas each year. This year's show has actually been extended from September 30th through October 18th from the previous dates of the fair due to the fact that uh, many events are being spread out due to social distancing and so forth. Joining us uh, from the fairgrounds is uh, Dr. Shane McClellan. He is uh, Texas AgriLife Extension Service Agent uh, in McLennan County. And uh, Shane, tell us uh, what's different and how are you adjusting? Well, the main difference is just uh, the schedule, of course, and then the dates of when livestock are here have changed. And, of course, just with COVID-19, there's certain regulations, guidelines, uh, local guidelines, as well as the state guidelines that, that the attendees, parents, ag teachers, county agents all have to meet such as social distancing, uh, wearing face masks at all times. Um, and they're just, just some, some little things that we've got to comply with to be allowed to participate. Certainly. And then, of course, uh, the important thing is that the youngsters, the students are out there uh, tending to their animals and still competing and, uh, and hoping for some scholarships. Absolutely. And that's, that's the goal of the Heart of Texas Fair, really, on the livestock show side, is to provide scholarships to youth. Now, they give a lot of money out to area kids, really well, I say area, from all over the state. And those kids use that money to further their education. You know, we started off with uh, the heifers coming in, record numbers on the heifer show, have a large steer show coming up, followed by the, the swine uh, and sheep and goat. It's always a big event, a lot of local su- support, a lot of, a lot of local sp- sponsors. Texas Farm Bureau actually is, is one of the big sponsors this year. Uh, State Fair has joined with the Heart of Texas Fair to offer what they call the United. And uh, it's a really big event and uh, offering extra money to kids to come and A lot of people are wanting to get out and show and just get back to normal. Certainly, Shane. And uh, give us a a kind of a visual description of the difference this year with uh, the students preparing their animals uh, before the show and and how, uh, you know, things are slowed down some, but yet, you know, they've got to uh, 
abide by the rules? The principles are the same as far as animal preparation, how they uh, set their, how they show their animals, all of that's really the same. Another thing that's really limited is uh, spacing in the different stalls. They've got animals located in different barns where we'd all normally be in one barn. Um, and that's just to space everybody out, kind of just to comply with social distancing guidelines. Um, and then when the, the kids are showing their animals, there's less spectators. We don't have the usual fair uh, carnival going on. Uh, it's just a livestock show. And then the rodeo, nightly rodeo. Uh, so it's it's a little different not having as many spectators, different people that would just uh, randomly be here, some to watch the show, some to participate in our Texas events. Um, that's really different. There are a lot less people here. That is Dr. Shane McClellan. He is Texas AgriLife Extension Agent for McLennan County, joining us today from the heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Along with the Livestock Show comes the big payoff with big bucks raised for Texas youth. Jessica Domo reports. The Big Tex Youth Livestock Auction brought in more than a million dollars over the weekend. The Grand Champion Market Steer, raised by Zane Porter of Harris County 4-H, brought in $75,000 from the Big Tex Champion Club. The Reserve Grand Champion Steer, raised by Mason Grady of Johnson County 4-H, brought in $21,000. Chloe Foster of Honeygrove FFA raised the Grand Champion Market Barrow. It sold for $15,500. The Grand Champion Market Lamb was raised by Briley Hogg of Lubbock County 4-H, it brought in $15,000. And the Grand Champion Market Goat was raised by Courtney Thurman of Brazos County 4-H. It brought in $15,000 as well. Cannon Rosser of the Canyon FFA raised the Grand Champion Market Broiler. It brought in $10,000. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Cotton harvest is running a bit behind across the cotton belt this year. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey takes a look at the latest harvest statistics. And as we look at the cotton harvest, this could become important as a new tropical storm is brewing in the Western Caribbean, potentially heading for the Gulf Coast region of the U.S. later this week. But for the time being, as of October 4th, we are seeing 17% of the U.S. cotton harvested. That's slightly behind the five-year average of 20%, also behind last year's 22%. And we see a number of states where the cotton harvest is at least 10 percentage points behind the five-year average pace, most notably in Alabama, just 2% harvested versus 16%. Arkansas, 13% of the cotton harvested versus 29% on average. And Mississippi, 17% harvested versus 31% on average. All of those states have been hit by one or more tropical systems over the last couple of weeks, and that has left conditions a bit tough for getting in there and harvesting cotton. Now here in Texas, we're looking at 26% of our cotton crop harvested. That's actually a little ahead of the average pace of 22%. Now looking at cotton condition ratings, we're seeing a decline in ratings beltwide, and Rippy says that's mainly because of a decline here in the Texas crop. We are looking at 40% of the crop rated good to excellent. That's a three percentage point decline from last week. 27% very poor to poor, that's up three points. But I will point out that those changes are largely due to some condition declines in Texas. Compared to last year at this time, uh, rather similar, generally speaking, we were looking at 39% of the crop rated good to excellent a year ago, 19% very poor to poor. Getting back to Texas for a minute, we did see the cotton condition there declining. For example, 34% of the crop rated very poor to poor a week ago. That number has since increased to 39%. 
That's likely reflective of drought issues across the heavily cropped West Texas cotton belt. So that is uh, really the reason for the decline in overall condition in the U.S. this week. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Can decoys help with your dove hunt? I'm Jessica Dulmel, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cold weather will be here soon, and some horses can handle the cold better than others. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that issue coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We're enjoying some nice fall weather here in Texas right now, but before you know it, the cold weather will be here soon. And just like humans, some horses can handle the cold better than others. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Norwegian researchers found that horses' susceptibility to cold, like people, is individualized. Some people are able to handle the cold weather better than others, and Dr. Greta Jorgensen indicates in the horse publication that horses are the same. Horses' susceptibility to cold is determined by breed, genetics, body condition, coat type, exercise level, diet, age, and overall health. Dr. Jorgensen indicates that the common management practice of clipping, blanketing, and stabling in warm buildings is probably not the best option. Norway is certainly colder than Texas. She believes horses should be treated as individuals, as some horses may need more protection from the cold than others. Her study indicated warm-blood horses' coats showed higher temperatures than those of cold-blooded horses, like quarter horses, although the warm-bloods had shorter coat hairs and lighter coats. So you might think these horses with warmer coats were warmer, but this actually means they were losing heat faster through their coats. The chest, shoulder, and neck of all horses showed the highest temperature reading, So these areas were losing the most heat, and this correlates to the area the blankets rub off the hair. Horses are susceptible to heat stress, so many owners clip the necks and shoulders to avoid heat stress during exercise. However, if you clip one area, the horse needs a blanket, but this may cause overheating in other areas, as the horse cannot regulate temperature on just one part of the body only. So if you're going to clip and blanket your horse, clip the entire horse. Interestingly, horses can also lose heat through steel horseshoes, although the amount is thought to be negligible. This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Can decoys help with your dove hunt? Jessica Domel answers that question in today's Texas Wildlife Report. Dove season continues across Texas, and today we're joined by Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Texas Dove Hunters Association, to discuss hunting with decoys. There's a number of them, Lucky Duck, Mojo. There's a few of them that put these out. Basically what it is is it's a flash of white. The wing white on one side, black on the other, and they're spinning. It's a flash of white. And what that does is it catches the attention of the bird that's flying overhead down on the ground or near the ground. 
So it shows that other birds are feeding right there in that area, and so they will come to it. Dove are very gregarious. They like to feed where other birds are feeding. We actually like them quite a bit. I use them. They seem to work better for morning dove than they do the white wing, but the white wing also would come to them. So it's, it's not that they don't work. It's just that we like it better on the morning dove. Dove season for the North Zone is open until November 12th. It reopens in December. Dove season for the North and Central Zones is open until November 1st. They also reopen in December. The daily bag limit is 15 birds with no more than two white-tipped. Thornton encourages hunters who are dove hunting to consider registering for this year's Banded Bird Challenge for a chance to win one of several great prizes in return for reporting Eurasian collar doves. There's now over 2,100 out there with bands on them. If you harvest any one of those bands, then you win. It's that simple. You don't have to worry about the date expiring or the band expiring. The goal of the Banded Bird Challenge is to gather more information on the invasive Eurasian collar doves. To enter, go to bandedbirdchallenge.com. That's bandedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market traded mixed with live cattle higher, feeder cattle lower. But we saw the cotton, wheat, and corn markets extending recent gains. We'll take a look at all the livestock, grain, cotton, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Stay with us right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex with live cattle higher, feeder cattle lower. October live cattle up 37, closing at 109.20. December up 20 cents, 111.95. February live cattle up 12, 115.35. Feeder cattle, however, feeling the pressure from higher corn prices, pushing feeders lower. October feeders down $1.92, 138.12. November down 240, 137.52. January feeder cattle down $1.97, 136.15. Now let's step over to the cash markets. We'll start with fed cattle where things are still quiet this week. No sales to report. Texas feedlots have cattle priced at 110. No asking price is reported from the packers. Boxed beef prices lower. Joyce down 82 cents at 216.16. Select down 81, 207.20. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now across Texas. Nixon Livestock Commission, Nixon, Texas, selling 1,383 head this week. Steady to higher was the trend. Two to 300 pound steers, $1.24 to $1.73. Three to four weights, $1.39 to $2. Four to 500 pounders, $1.29 to $1.90 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.18 to $1.63. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar thirteen to a dollar forty, with seven to eight weight steers bringing a dollar nine to a dollar thirty four a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty nine to fifty cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty nine to eighty four. 
Stocker cows, $600 to $1,000 a head. Live Oak Livestock Auction in Three Rivers, Texas, sold 2,647 head this week. The trend was steady to lower. Two to three weight steers, $1.24 to $1.82. Three to four weights, $1.24 to $1.72. Four to 500 pounders, $1.14 to $1.66. Five to six weight steers, $1.08 to $1.48. Six to 700 pounders, $1.04 to $1.32 with seven to eight weight steers bringing 98 to $1.26 a pound. Slaughter cows range from 18 cents to 54 cents a pound. Slaughter bulls, 58 to 76 cents. Stocker cows, 525 to 1,075 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 800 to 1,375 a pair. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed higher October up $1.57, 76.32. December hogs up $1.22 at $63.87. Class 3 milk futures lower. October down 12 cents, 20.51. November milk down 11, 19.60, 100 weight. The cotton market closed higher. Traders waiting on the impact of Hurricane Delta. It is expected to be a powerful hurricane, and right now it's making a bullseye for the Mid South and Southeast cotton crops. December cotton up 21 points, 66.03. March up 29, closing at 66.92. The wheat market continues to gain ground. Dry weather across the plains as we try to get this wheat crop in the ground right now, continuing to support prices. Also, the weaker dollar adding some support to wheat prices as well. We close with December Kansas City wheat up 10 cents, 534 and a quarter. New crop July wheat up nine and a quarter, 553 and three quarters. Corn closing higher, December corn up five and a half, 385 a bushel. In the energy markets, November natural gas down nine cents, 251. November crude oil up a dollar 46, 4068 a barrel. And we'll wrap it up with the financials. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 331 points, 27,817. The S&P 500 down 39 at 3,369. The NASDAQ down 146 points, 11,185. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us, and don't forget to check us out again tomorrow. We'll be right here to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.